0: Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. I will economize the message this morning. The beautiful thing is, is that if for some reason we don't get the whole way through it, that's okay. We'll pause where we're at. We'll pick it up again next week, okay? So, but I want to I I dive into this. We're in a series called Tipping Points. Simple concepts that generate big momentum. I, and I, we were, I was inspired with this title because I watched the Charles Schwab commercial on TV where they had the little tiny, little tiny domino. And then they say, what if this little tiny domino could knock over this two-story tall domino and everybody's like that'll never happen well what they did was they put that little tiny domino at the front and they tipped it over they brought it to a tipping point then they took their finger off and that little domino knocked over a slightly bigger one a slightly bigger one a slightly bigger one the whole way down until eventually at the end of this line it knocked over this huge like two-story tall domino and it got me to thinking you know what are the what are the big huge two-story dominoes in my life that i feel like are immovable and unreachable for me personally And if it means that I have to get big enough and strong enough to knock that thing over, I don't know that I have enough lifetime to get there. But is there some small change in my own life or a series of small changes in my own life that can generate the momentum that I need to topple some of those bigger things? And really what we're talking about this month is this big, huge domino of living as generously as I want to. This is not a series about trying to convince people who are... uh, generosity atheists who say I just don't want to be generous I'm not going to try and convince you to be generous that's not that's not the direction I'm not trying to make you into a a, an exuberant philanthropist that's not the goal of the series the Bible talks a lot about giving and we're all going to talk about giving and generosity but I'm not taking the approach this morning for those of you in the house that don't give or don't want to give or don't feel like giving I'm going to try and persuade you and convince you to start giving that's more of a work for the Holy Spirit and not for me Because the more that I talk about it, the more resistant you're going to be. And I don't think God's trying to pry the $20 out of your kung fu grip and get it. He doesn't need it. But here's what I do know. If I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I invite his spirit to fuse together with my spirit. And all of God then comes and takes a residence inside of me and it makes me a new person. This is what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that generosity is one of the huge attributes of God. It's one of the things that makes him uniquely who he is. He's incredibly generous. There's no one who even parallels his generosity. And what happens is when I begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, and as I become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, I become more like he is, which means more of his personality starts to shape my own which means I start feeling this desire to live a generous life. It just starts bubbling up inside of me. I just want to be generous. I see needs, and I want to meet them. Now, let me just pause for a moment. Generosity is not a uniquely Christian value. There are people who don't know Jesus, who don't serve Jesus, who are generous. So I don't want to make the, I don't want to make the statement that only... It's like you're taking your SATs. It's, it's, I don't want to make the statement that only Christians are generous. But I would say this all fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ should be generous. So if you don't feel any desire in your heart to be generous, it's not the result of poor teaching. It's a result of a lack of intimacy between you and Jesus Christ. He hasn't really fully taken hold of your heart and your spirit yet. Instead, the approach of this series is this. I want to make the assumption that the overwhelming majority of us in the room say the following. I love being generous. I want to be more generous, but I don't feel the freedom to be as generous as my heart would like to be. There are things keeping me from being as generous as I want to, in all I, and that's no way to live. Because when you live that way, you always feel insignificant, you feel frustrated, you feel dissatisfied, And that's no way to live. Instead, the way that I want you to live is I want to help come alongside you, offer you what the Bible says. Here are ways you can position yourself to live as generously as your heart would like to. So with that in mind, we're really looking at three things. Last week, we we started this series off and we talked about defeating possessiveness. That was the first concept. That's trying to get away from this part that says everything belongs to me and moves towards saying Well, maybe the tipping point is saying, well, maybe not everything belongs to me. Maybe some is God's and some is mine. And where you really get to is this place where you say, I realize everything comes from God, so it's easy for me to give away things I don't think I own. The more tightly you grip possessions, resources, time, talent, things like that, the more difficult it is to get rid of it. So you don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You don't have to stockpile and accumulate and hoard until you think you have enough to get rid of some of the excess before you can be generous. You can just start being generous right where you're at with whatever you have right now. This week, we're going to talk about determining my budget. Next week, we'll talk about deciding my motives. Here, let me review a couple key definitions real quick. Here's what we define generosity as. Generosity is the habit. It's a habit of giving without expecting a return. It's giving my time, my money, my resources, my talent, or my abilities that is motivated solely out of love for God and love for his people. That's what generosity is. It's giving without expecting a return. It's motivated by love for God and love for people, which kind of makes generosity different than some other things. It's not necessarily investing. It's not necessarily uh, sowing or planting, though that can be part of it. Generosity, you know, that's the noun form. You can have it as an adjective or an adverb. It can modify other actions. You can invest generously, or you can invest sparingly. You can plant generously, you can plant sparingly. But the Bible teaches they're directly proportional. You kind of harvest what it is that you sow. So if you only plant three seeds, you're not going to get twenty seeds worth of a harvest. You're going to get a harvest in proportion to what you sow. So what the Bible teaches is about giving generously. Giving generously. And it brings us to the next term for the series, which is a tipping point. Tipping point is the point at which a small change becomes significant enough to cause a larger, more important change. If you want to lose some weight, there has to be a series of tipping points. You have to to decide you're going to change your nutrition. You're going to change your exercise. You really have to decide you're going to commit to it. These are small dominoes that don't in and of themselves cause a result, but they give you the momentum to get there. So we're just introducing some simple concepts to bring you to a tipping point to each one. Here's what the Bible says. Here's our passage for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-8. through eight. This is Paul writing his second letter to the church at Corinth. Here's an excerpt from this. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the farmer who plants generously will get a generous crop. And this is an awesome verse, and I want you to think about this today. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. What does the New Testament teach about giving? Well, here's a big chunk of it right here. You have to decide in your heart how much to give. And we'll get into this next week, but I need to say this and we'll move on from it. For some of us, 10% is just this huge, huge thing to get to, but it's in our heart to get there. For others of us, when we go into our heart, we say 10% isn't nearly enough for what I really want to give. So don't let that be a, a mountain that's too high to climb or the finish line for you. Go into your heart, and you decide in your heart, really what it says is how much, not whether to or not, we decide in our heart the amount of my time, of my energy, of my resources, of my money to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why? Because it will be miserable for you. If you give reluctantly, there's no blessing in it for you. It's miserable. It feels like someone's taking from you. You hate the offering plate. You hate the collection basket. You won't volunteer for everything. You hate that we even ask. So don't give. Pastor, that's reckless. You just talked about permanent home. I'm not after your money. We're after your heart. If you're just giving reluctantly, it's misery for you, it's misery for God, it's misery for us. I'd rather you have a heart change and then go into your heart and give out of your heart than for you to mindlessly, religiously, and begrudgingly pay this as though it was some kind of an unwelcome tax that you'd rather not participate in. Keep your money. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Because when he gets your heart, everything else falls in line. And it doesn't hurt so much. It's not hard for me to give things to people that I love. In fact, I have to have boundaries to keep me from giving too much. It's an ongoing Christmas debate between my wife and I and our son. And it just, it's... She sets a budget for me and I exceed it all the time. And I'll get there. I'm just confessing that publicly. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who doesn't give cheerfully too. But the truth of the matter is, man loves different kinds of givers. But God says, listen, the the one that he looks for is the one who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll be able to have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the beauty of it. If you get involved in giving, you don't have to be afraid that your stockpile will eventually run out. If you give generously as God leads you to give and within the guidelines I'm going to give you this morning, you won't have to worry about exhausting your supply. God will always give generously to you so he can get it through you to the others who need it. So that's what we're talking about today. We're going after this. Let's, let, let's just jump into this real quick. Let's push towards the tipping point. Here, let's, let's talk about determining our budget and let's, let's, get, let's push towards the tipping point this morning. Uh, we each come in the world with a desire that says, I want to keep it all. That's where we start. I want to keep it all. My son did not naturally come into the world wanting to share anything. Although I can say very quickly, he's learning through probably intricate systems of bribery and punishment, that sharing is a good thing to do. It's a good thing. But we come in this world saying, I want to keep it all. Because here's how people outside of, people who don't believe there's a God over finance prioritize this way. They say, when I get money, the first thing I'm going to do is take care of me and what I want. Make sure that I have my vacations. I want to eat out. I want a $5 Starbucks every day of the week. I want to make sure there's money there for that. Then after that, I'll take care of my needs. My taxes, my housing, my clothes, the things that I need. Then after that, my debts. I'll make sure that if there's any money left over, I'll start paying down the debts that I accrued by going after things that I couldn't afford up here. And then if there's some left over, I probably ought to save some. And then at the very end, I'll share. If there's anything left over at the very end, I'll share. And that's okay, right? Take care of all the things you need to and that particular one through five order. Essentially, he's saying, I want to keep it all, but if there's anything left over, maybe I'll share. For those of us who believe that there's a God over our finances, we treat this totally differently. We say the very first thing is, I'm going to give an act of worship to God. I'm going to give him the first 10%. Then after that, I'm going to take care of my needs. And then after that, well, sometimes people reverse them around, but you know, I'm going to take care of God. I'm going to save so 10% is God, 10% is saves, and then the other 80% takes care of my needs. Needs are number three. And that's how I determine what I'll eat, what I'll wear, where I live, what I drive. I figure it on that part of the budget rather than the 100%. And then I'm gonna take care of my debts because God holds that very seriously. Sometimes we even have to reverse that. If we come out of it later in life, we have to put debts up there on top of need and say, even before I figure out what kind of house I live in, I need to take care of these debts first and maybe I need to live in less house so I can take care of my debts. And then at the very end, it's what's left over is for me, for fun. And people look at me and say, well, pastor, you like to have fun? I like to have fun. Absolutely. You take vacations. Yes, I do. I know you go to sporting events and you have hobbies. I do. And they cost money. Yes, they do. Well, then, pastor, you and I are the same. Well, are we really? How did you get to your fun? I know how I got to mine. I took care of God. I saved retired my debts. We have no debt except our house. I've taken care of all of our needs. So the money that's left over, I am free to have fun with it without having to borrow for it. I can enjoy it. Where? How did you get to your fun? In what order did you, did you put that? You see, God doesn't have a problem with us having things as long as the things don't have us. But we come in the world saying, I, I want to keep it all. Actually, many of us say, I need to keep it all. Because I got some things out of line over here. I need, every, I need 120% of everything I earn in order to live but the tipping point really is where we get to a place that says a tipping point for the deciding the amount of generosity is recognizing a new desire that says maybe i don't want to keep it all i want to give something that's the tipping point when you decide you want to up to that point you you, you're the person that paul talks about that says i don't want to give i can't give i'm reluctant to give i only give out of pressure i give to appease my pastor i give to appease god that's not why we give he says the tipping point is when you say you know what There's something inside of me that really wants to give. I want to be generous. I want to give to God. I want to give to people. I want to be generous. I want to meet needs. I want to take care of others. I just don't know how much I can give or I should give. That's the tipping point. When you begin to ask questions that start with how much can I or how much should I, Those are best answered in context of your personal budget. If you don't know your personal budget at all, or if your personal budget runs your life and you don't run it, you will never be generous. You need to budget wisely so you can live generously. If you get nothing else from me this morning, remember that. If you budget wisely, you can live generously. If you do not budge wisely, you will never be able to live generously the way that you want to. Because really what happens is this. There's actually, this momentum gets pretty crazy. Here's what happens. What happens is once you decide how much you should give and you start giving the way that the Bible leads us to give and the giving that feels so fulfilling and so energizing and so joyful and so cheerful, the moment the momentum release when we begin to live generously is so strong, it eventually leads to a desire that says, I just want to give it all away. Some of you live there. I was talking to our missionary friend in Haiti, Pastor Jay, and he has to travel back to the States every now and again to itinerate and to raise money for their ongoing mission. And when he does, his wife stays there in Haiti. He says, I don't leave her the credit card. I leave her cash. He says, and what happens is I'll leave her cash for two weeks worth. And every time I leave on day three, she'll call and and she'll say, 'I, I, I need some more money. Why do you need more money? Well, this person's rent was due and there was a need over here and we had a couple other kids that came to the orphanage and I just, he said, she's the one that will give it all away as fast as I can put it in her hand. She just wants to give everything away. That's not a bad thing. But understand, God doesn't ask us to be reckless in our giving. There has to be some type of, some type of way to manage the generosity in our heart against what's in our budget, and you'll find we'll talk about. So you'll find there's, when you get into living generously, there's always tension between your your checkbook and your heart. There's always tension there. There's always tension there. So what do I do with all that? I want to help you determine what is the wise path in determining how much you should give. What's the wise path? Ultimately, you have to make a decision. You have to decide in your heart what you're going to do with this. It's not up to me to decide for you. You need to decide. So all I want to do is give you four questions. We probably won't get through all four today. We'll probably get to the first two today. Four questions to ask yourself in determining how, how to choose wisely how much to give. Here's four questions you should ask. Number one, what is my budget? What's my budget? What's my budget? Pastor, you're getting very practical. I want you to just stick to the Bible this morning if you would. Um... You realize the Bible talks more about money, finance and economics than it does about prayer and faith combined. So if you want me to stick to the Bible more than 50% of the time when we're talking about the stuff of the Bible is incredibly practical when it comes to economics and when it comes to money and when it comes to finance. The first question to ask yourself is what is my budget? I'm going to go the whole way back to Leviticus. Awesome bedtime reading. If you've not taken a slow read through Leviticus, get an illustrated version. Oh, it's fantastic. Those of you, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. If you're brand new to reading your Bible, you may not want to do a cannonball into Leviticus right away. Um, I'd start there rather than numbers. Um, Numbers is a lot of just statistics and things. And it's all valuable. There's a reason for all of it in there. But Leviticus can be a little challenging because you're reading it and you're like, man, they were pretty extreme, Pastor. I mean, if they got a little bit of mold on their, on their shirt. You know what they had to do? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very real, very fast. But here's what God's doing. And the whole, book, the whole book of Leviticus is about God setting up fences of protection for his people. He established a covenant with them. And he said, here's the deal. I am your God. I want you to be my people. But here is the covenant relationship. I'm going to set up some fences. And if you stay inside the fence, there is favor for you here. If you decide you don't like the fence and you want to go do your own thing, there's famine and lots of bad things out there. You choose, but here's the fences. Operate inside of these things and it will be good for you. And I will bless you and I will take care of you. But if you're on your own, then you're fully on your own. My hands are off and you're going to starve and you're going to die. And so one of the fences he sets up is the fence of a personal budget. He says, if you live inside of your budget, there will be favor for you. If you live outside of your budget, it will be miserable for you. Now, even if you don't believe in God at all, these things in the Bible will actually work if you'll try them out. They're just truth, and it just works this way. Let me read to you how he breaks it down in Leviticus chapter 19. He says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields interesting it's like don't get every last little plant when you harvest leave the edges alone don't harvest them he says and don't even pick up as you're carrying it back if the harvesters drop things these are called gleanings if their arms get that big that they can't you know the strawberries that fall out of the bucket so don't even pick those up leave them there don't do all that don't don't take a hundred percent of everything i've given you and make sure you get every last scrap home He says, it's the same with your grape crop. Don't strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and don't pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Here's the principle. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigners living among you. He says, I'm the Lord your God. And then a couple verses later, he says, and don't make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. Pay them right away. It's interesting. God clearly addressed three different vocational groupings of people in this story. He talks to the the guy who owns the land, the person who is working in the land, and the person who doesn't own any land. He talks to three different almost socioeconomic classes and here's what he says to the owners. He says, owners, the crops are yours and that's enough for you. That's your budget. Your budget is all the crops. He says to the workers, workers, you're getting a paycheck for working in the owner's field. That paycheck is all yours and it's enough for you. You can live on that. That is yours. Don't get mad at the owner and don't be mad at the non-owners. Look at your budget. That's what I'm giving you and it's enough. And he also talks to people who don't own and don't work. He says, you can go back and you can help yourself to the edges and you can have the gleanings. Those are yours and that's enough. You see, not everyone has the same budget. And when we talk about living generously, the goal is not to get us all to be owners so that we can be generous. God says, owners, workers, Non-owners, we can all be generous because we've all been given a budget and we have to learn to say, I will live within my budget because that's enough and that is the challenge. Because we're taught in this society the way that you advance is you consume more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And the way you consume more is to earn more and accumulate more and you are nothing until you can accumulate. That's not what the Bible teaches. Socialism teaches that the government owns everything. Capitalism teaches that I own everything. Theism says God owns everything. And that's what this is really teaching. What well, it says not everybody has the same budget, but he provided each of these groups enough for them to live on, enough for them to share some with God, to share some with ne- those in need, and to take care of themselves. Not all the amounts were the same. Not all their budgets were the same. But God carefully considers what all of us actually need to live and establish a system, a fence, by which we live by. But we don't think that that's fair, do we? We don't like the fact that we don't all get the same. We all think that we should have... The same, well, maybe we don't all think that way, but a lot of us feel that way. It's not fair. We didn't all get the same talents. We didn't get the same budget. We didn't get the same opportunities. We, you know, we all, like, I, I like Hershey's chocolate. So, you know, I, you know, like, we, we, we get this, right? We get our budget, my, my little Hershey's chocolate bar. And what I like about, I'm a little bit OCD. I like it segmented. Little, little rectangles on there. And break them off neatly and ration them out. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. It's a great exercise. And, um. But you know, quite frankly, if this was my budget this morning, there's enough here I could take, I could open that up, and because it's neatly segmented, I could, in fact, maybe I will just open it up, um, because I'm having a little bit of a low sugar attack, and I'm getting, um, a little tired. so you can open this up, and you can say, oh, this has a corner broken off, I'll return that. Um, but I could say, hey, you know what, there's, there's enough that I could take, that, you know, I could take, and I could honor God with that part and I could share some with others, and I can even leave the corners alone, and there's still enough for me. I can can give to God, I can give to others, I can leave the corners alone, I have some margin in my life to help people when necessary, and there's still enough left for me, and this is enough. This is enough. Now, you might eat it and say, like, no, my taste buds say more. No, this is really enough. (laughs) There's enough for me to give to God and to share with others. Now, the pile doesn't look real huge, but there's enough there. There's enough there. And you know what? You're cruising along pretty good, feeling good about yourself until you see someone come along. (laughs) And then the trouble sets in. God, that's not fair. Look at that. If I only had that, I would be so much more generous. I could do so much more. All I have is this. And they have that God must love, that. they must be more blessed than I am. Because they have more than me. Or the other extreme, well, I am so much more holy than they are because I give. They're both wrong. They're both wrong. Because the truth of the matter, you can go down to Haiti and see someone who got this. And you can go to church with the Haitians who make 420 some dollars a year. And when they have offering, they all get up out of their seat and they walk to a collection plate and they put in their 10%. And the edges a lot of times of what they have. Gives you a perspective, doesn't it? The truth of the matter is we all have a budget. And if you want to live generously, you have to learn to live inside of your budget. The Bible gives us a great principle. It's called the 10-10-80 principle. 10% goes to God. 10% goes to my savings. 80% is what I live on we make decisions based that way. You might be thinking, Pastor, how in the world? My budget doesn't operate that way. But how do I get in in that direction? If, I, if I'm going to be as generous as I want to, I need to figure out what my budget is. Your budget consists of how much money that comes into, how much resource comes into your house, and then how you manage it. That's what your budget is. What's coming in and how I manage what's going out. We're going to close our service today. There's a, there's a little video I want to show you. you. If you were here a year ago, you saw it. It's about seven minutes long. It's a pastor named Kevin Queen. He's from 12 Stone Church in Atlanta. He did a really memorable illustration on how you get started in this using Chick-fil-A cups. And so uh, we won't be able to finish the whole message today, but I want to leave you with this thought, and then I'll come back and we'll close it together. Jewel, if you want to go ahead and roll that video, check it out.
1: been looking forward to this. Chance for me to sit down with you and share a principle, something that I learned when I was younger that stayed with me. It's, it's changed the way that I, I handle money and some have called it the 10-10-80 principle. Um, I wanna share it with you as actually the give, save, live principle. So give, save, and live. Now this is a way of prioritizing the way that we handle our money and if you if you choose not to have priorities you're going to choose to live with pressure your entire life. See, see the prioritization is what is what creates margin in our lives. This space on the cup, this is the margin of the cup and if the cup didn't have margin it'd be a mess. It'd create a mess, everything would would spill over and create a mess all over the place and, and people live with a mess all over the place financially when they don't have margin in their life with their finances. So we're going to talk about through these priorities is how you create margin in your life. Now I, let's, let's just say you get a job and uh, let's say the job's at Chick-fil-A and payday's gonna come and so you end up on payday you end up making ten dollars. So we're gonna put these cups out here. And this represents the give, save, and live. So what's the first priority? Well, the first priority is the tithe. It's 10%. It's giving the first 10% back to God. It's a, it's an offering back to Him because you want to be a candidate for favor. You want to live underneath His umbrella of blessing. So you, get, you give back to God. You honor Him. The second decision that you make is to save. But that's in the ideal world. And many of us, we live in the real world. And in the real world, what tends to happen is we tend to accumulate living expenses that take the rest of what we have. Now, we all have living expenses. We've got a place to stay, and we've got food to eat, and we've got to put clothes on our back. But what happens is when this gets out of control, everything goes toward that. But you've been doing the hard work. You've been figuring out how to squeeze money from your budget. And so let's just say you cut back on going out to eat many times a week. and then, Or, or let's say you, you started carpooling or, or that you started buying store brand at the grocery store. You've done the hard work, and you've saved $2. Now, you've got this $2 to put toward SAVE, but not just yet. I want to talk about a critical point that many people overlook, and we're going to call it the Weeds Happen Fund. And so I want to press pause on SAVE and bring into play the Weeds Happen. And so in order to build this Weeds Happen Fund. Let's just say a thousand dollars that you want to save up for emergency. Um, you've got these two dollars to put toward that, but you've also, through creativity, you've figured out other ways to get more money. Let's just say you sold that treadmill that you got for Christmas. Uh, you sold that treadmill on Craigslist. Um, it was supposed to be for your resolution, but you uh, you get one dollar. And and let's let's also say that you know those those jeans that you bedazzled and uh, you sold those online on on eBay. Uh, you got. We're going to talk about you bedazzling. Uh, close we'll talk about that later but you get another dollar and so now you've got four dollars to put toward Weed's Happen you're building up this fund and the good news is another payday comes and when another payday comes you have a priority to make you have a decision to make it's that first decision to honor God then we've got to stick to that budget that we set one two three four five six seven and so seven goes to that budget this leaves the remaining two for Weeds Happen. Now, surprise, surprise, it's good news. You You got your tax return back. So another $2 goes to Weeds Happen. This closes out your Weeds Happen fund because emergencies are gonna happen. You're now prepared for that. So we're just gonna move that over here for a time of emergency. This brings save back into play. And so you might think, well, now it's time to save, but not just yet. I wanna talk about another area and that's debt. good news. It's payday. Another payday comes and you've been honoring God with first fruits. God's blessed you. You got a raise. You got $13 now. And you know what? It's a good thing. Your birthday's rolled around and surprise, surprise, your grandmother sent you a card and you got a dollar in the card. So that's a add another dollar to the mix. And so now you've got a decision to make. What's your first priority? It's to honor God with the tithe. And so we'll put two in here. Dollar, uh, forty would be Toward that first fruits, honoring God, 60 cents. Let's say it goes it goes above and beyond the tithe or to, to support a, a mission trip. And so you've made that decision. The second priority is to continue to stick to that, continue to stick to that budget. Three, four, five, six, seven. It goes in your live fund. This leaves one, two, three, four, five to go toward debt. Now let's talk for debt. Let's talk about debt for a second. In this strategy, you want to attack the lowest debt that you have first. This is called the snowball effect and you'll attack the lowest debt and after you pay that off you'll pay the next lowest and continue to go until you pay off the highest debt. And so here's the good news. Good news is you continue this strategy eventually you're debt free. Close that out. And now that we've closed out debt now it's time to start saving. And this is the time where you can begin to accumulate wealth. And so what we want to do is we want to make saving the second priority. So this means honoring God's the first priority. Second priority is saving. And the third priority is living expenses. So the good news is another payday comes. And on that first priority, the decision you make is to honor God, first fruits. But now you have margin. Now you can begin to save and accumulate wealth. And then, because it's 10 10 80 now you have $8 to go toward living expenses. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight which leaves you with three. And this is margin. You can make a decision about what you wanna do with this. Maybe you wanna go above and beyond and give to God. Maybe you wanna begin to save and continue to build up and accumulate wealth. Or maybe you wanna take this and just have fun. But now you have options. And uh, you know what, you hear this and you might think, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm working with, this is all I've got. Or maybe you're listening to it, you're thinking, this is the lifestyle that I have, this is what I've got to work with. But the reality is no matter Where you're at, the 10-10-80 applies. It's the principle that applies. So here you are with $3. Speaking of having fun, I've got $3 left. You want to go get some ice cream? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, come on.
0: Makes sense? Makes sense? I want you to be able to live the generous life that your heart tells you to. But the reality is if we're so saddled with debt and overspending and we don't manage our budget, you're only ever going to see needs that your heart wants to meet that you have no ability to meet. And we want to help position you by putting biblical principles in place so that you can honor God and you can save and take care of yourself and your future and you can live and meet all of your needs. But like the Bible says that you'll have plenty left over to also act on those Generosity feelings and those generosity opportunities that you have in your heart. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. We'll close here this week. We'll pick this back up next week and finish this lesson. It's okay to divide it into two weeks. We'll we'll do that rather than keeping you here another 20 minutes and and pushing on through. And um, the reality of it is, as I said earlier, God's really not. He's really not after your your wallet. He's not after your checkbook. I couldn't write a. The wealthiest person in the world couldn't write a big enough check to even compare on a pie chart to what God has. It's not like our wealth impresses God or that he, quote unquote, he needs my money because he doesn't have resources. But the truth of the matter is that he's chosen to allow us to meet a lot of needs here on earth through the generosity of his people, through the generosity of people who, who will see a need and go into their heart and say, I want to be able to meet the need. You've heard me talk to you this morning about, you know, we have plans, we have dreams here at Echo. We haven't gotten into the figuring and funding part of it yet to know exactly how much of it's going to cost. There's going to be a financial cost to it and it's going to take capital. I'm not, you know, God has yet to wire me money in my checking account from his checking account. That's never happened to me. I, mean, I don't know that God wants want me to reverse engineer where his checking account is. But, um, but he, he blesses us. And whether you have, I hope I didn't eat that one. Oh, I didn't. Whether you have this, you have this, you have something in the middle, you know what? It's enough. If we manage it, if we manage it according to biblical principles. All that means nothing, though, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It means nothing. It's good budgeting tips. You can take that and run with it, and your budget will calm down, and your budget will even out. Some people put some of those things in different orders, and that's okay. You have to decide. You know, you have to decide in what order you put those things, but those are the key elements we have to wrestle with. The truth of the matter is Jesus is after your heart. That's what he wants. He wants to know you exactly as you are. He wants to be in an exclusive relationship with you. Well, what do you have to have? You just have to have a belief that he exists, and you have to be willing to trust him and put your faith in him. Surrender your life to him. And admit that your living up to this point has been on your own way. And now you want to exchange leadership roles. You want to surrender to Him and come up under God's leadership. You have to recognize that us living on our own and doing life our own way and doing what feels right to us is the sinful, worldly way of living. And that breaking God's law and living outside of His fences brings a penalty. It's a death penalty. You might think that that's cruel, but cruelty would be God having a penalty and never telling us what it is and surprising us one day. God tells us up front, no, here's my laws. Here's the fences. And the fences are not to punish you. The fences are to protect you and to keep you living inside of my favor where, where I want to be able to bless you and share with you. But he's not trying to build a fence so high you can't climb out of it. He gives you a choice. And you and I each have a choice to live outside the fence of God's favor or live inside. And all you have to do to come inside is live God's way. That's it. Surrender to him. So this morning, if you've never made that decision, I don't care if you grew up Catholic, You went to a different church here or there. You grew up in a Pentecostal church. You never went to church. You're not even sure about God. It's equal access to all of us. If you need Him in your life and you want Him into your life and He wants to be yours, you don't have to answer all the questions yet. In fact, some of those questions you might not really get to answer except by having some personal experience behind it. That's what you need faith for. Faith says, I'm willing to believe and trust in a God. I can't even really entirely prove or see just yet, but I just know deep inside me somehow, some way that He is. And if He is, then I need Him. So I want to pray over you this morning, and then we'll close together. Let's just bow our heads and pray together. If you're here today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, here's, a, here's kind of the prayer that I prayed myself When I started my relationship with Jesus, I just said, dear Jesus, I've lived life my own way up to this point. I've lived outside the fence, so to speak. It's not that I'm a terribly immoral person or an awful person, but I've done life my own way and I don't have a relationship with you. I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've disregarded your fences. I've made my own fences and chosen my own path. So today I repent. I make a 180 degree turn. I change completely. And I turn away from living for myself. And I turn towards living for you. So I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to be the king of my life. I want you to have control. And I want to just follow as you lead me. So I invite you into my life to have complete control over my thoughts, over my personality, over my attitudes. I surrender to you today. And your precious name I pray. And I ended the prayer right there. And friend, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you really meant it, I promise you, you're feeling something right now. And you might not be able to describe it. You could use analogies to compare it. But what's really happened is that you've invited the Lord of all the universe to come into your life and he's taking you up on your invitation. It's the best. It's the best. And you might be thinking, what do I do now? Well, the most important thing you could do really is tell somebody, tell somebody, tell the person who brought you this morning, they'll know what to do. if If you came on your own and you don't feel comfortable, come tell me, tell Pastor Stewart, tell one of our leaders here, we'll celebrate with you. We'll talk to you about this whole new life that you've got and how to keep growing in your relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a home church of your own, we'd love to be your home church. You can come back here every week. We'll teach you about the Bible, introduce you to people. We're just on a journey to be more like Jesus. None of us are there yet. We're all just on a journey, one step at a time, one day at a time.